Where are you exactly? I'm in Maine. In Maine, yeah. Yeah. So it but. should be cool here, but it's not. <laughs> Thank you, global warming. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get underway because I know you have children and it's uh, the season of vacances. So you should uh, have time to enjoy. <laughs> Today on the Women Mind the Water podcast, I'm speaking with Nina Rossiter. Nina is an author, illustrator, and graphic designer who says she is happiest when she is creating images of the ocean. The Women Mind the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. I'm extremely pleased today to welcome Nina Rossiter to the Women Mind the Water Artivist podcast series. Yanina lives in Paris, France. She is a multidimensional artist. She's an author, illustrator, and graphic designer. Nina uses her talents to help protect the ocean. Nina is the author, illustrator of the children's books, Diamonds, Hearts, and Sea Stars, and 123, Who's Cleaning the Sea. Through these books and her other works, Nina shares her love of the sea and hopes her voice can make a difference in fighting climate change, plastic pollution, and much more. These things are important to Nina as she believes that the future depends on our actions today. Welcome, Nina. Thank you for joining me on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I'm really looking forward to hearing why you were inspired by the ocean and about your development as an artivist working to call attention to the issues that impact the ocean. Nina, you are, in addition to being a multi-talented artist, you have a multicultural background. You were born in Germany and have lived in the United States and now in Paris. Nina, what is it about your background that planted and nurtured the seeds that developed into your passion for the ocean? Um, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, it's a great question. But I think uh, for me, it came all very naturally. Um, so I grew up in Hamburg, Germany, which is near the Baltic Sea and the North Sea. So when I was small, we often went um, to the seaside. But I also started uh, competitive swimming with the age of uh, four or five, very early. And I had therefore always been in the water several times per week. Um, and I felt a very deep connection always to water because I spent a lot of time in it. And I think when you love water, you love the ocean, you love, you love the sea. I think there's a connection between um, the happiness that water can bring and where you can find it. So I think this is how um, my love for the sea started. So how did you come to focus your art on the ocean and particularly on issues that impact the ocean? Um, it was a natural um, development, I would say. So I started writing children's books about eight years ago. And I had recently, before I started focusing on the ocean, I had recently uh, written an ABC um, children's book. And I was looking for background fonts for um, I was drawing with ink and I was looking for colorful background uh, fonts to put in the uh, background, drops to put in the background. And I looked at different art techniques and I found an art technique that was called alcohol ink, which is 
very um, liquid. It's it's very it's very beautiful. And mostly when you look on the internet, the artists mix it with a little bit of gold, with a little bit of silver, and I loved that technique so much. Uh, because it almost reminds you of looking at the ocean from uh, from above. You, it looks like little islands. So I used that art technique in my first ABC book, and then um, I thought it was it reminded me of the ocean of water. And I thought the ABC book was an animal book that wasn't with ocean creatures. So for me, it was quite natural that the second book I wanted to write was just to focus on ocean life because of the art technique I discovered that I found so beautiful and then I um, discovered another art technique which was fluid art which I, I I wanted to use that one for the next book and um, so I wanted to write a concept book which went from those of the first book was an ABC book and the second one I wanted to write about numbers and I wanted to connect the numbers um, to the sea creatures like an octopus has eight arms that's quite ob- obvious but with other sea creatures like from one to ten it was more difficult to to research so I often went into the aquarium to just look at sea creatures to study them to see uh, which one could be in my book and um, because I have two young children's children, it was obvious that sometimes I, I just take them with me and um, enjoy the aquarium together. And one time we went, um, they always have a show on uh, once a day where, where they entertain the kids. And that one time we went, they had a show on about ocean pollution, about the plastic in the ocean. And um, we were sitting there and my daughter wanted to help and she was really eager eager to be picked and to to be involved and and that really caught my attention because I noticed that she wanted to protect the animals this 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 um I don't know what it was but there was something inside me that really caught my attention and I was uh I I I felt really proud at that moment that she wanted to protect the animals and I often see that as well in schools that the kids want to protect the the animals really really quickly when they notice they are in danger. And um, when we came home that evening, I um, it didn't really leave me alone. I wanted to fit, find out more about ocean pollution, what I can do myself to protect the ocean. And I came across images that I hadn't that I hadn't seen. Uh, before like kids growing up by rivers full fully polluted living in houses under under plastic just images that that really shocked me to the core I would say where I couldn't believe that today we allow that to happen and um, I think it's what often happens with people when they realize there's a problem they kind of want to help or do something to to make the world better and I decided at that point that my book which had no subject instead of just talking about numbers and sea creatures I wanted to link it to ocean pollution because I wanted to ask the kids in the aquarium that day I wanted them to feel that they need to help the sea creatures to protect them from plastic pollution. And this is really how 123 Who's Cleaning the Sea came along. And um, and that was the beginning of my journey as an artist, I would say, because I noticed that 
we as we live in our western world we are a lot we are part of the problem a lot by the way we consume the way we buy the way we consume the way we live everything and i i i felt there was so much more i could do uh, myself before i start teaching others uh, just like you know, change your home, buy buy less, buy secondhand, all these things, you know. And um, yeah, that was the beginning of uh, of my uh, journey, which completely, yeah, came by coincidence, I would say. Yes, how fascinating, the chain of events. Who would have thought that discovering a font would lead you through this chain to developing books that are uh, co- uh, conscious about what's going on with our oceans. So one of my le- recent guests uh, was Lexi Dudera. She has a nonprofit she started called Saltwater Classroom, and it works with students in grades three through six. Lexi says that this is an optimum age to teach environmental education. She points out that kids in this age group are curious and old enough to understand the relationship between cause and effect. What is your motivation for creating books for children? Um, in Paris, I worked for cosmetic brands. And one of the last job I worked at before I quit my job was um, on a um, sun cream lotion. And they asked me to, to come up with some designs. And I, um, I created some, some penguins and some little illustrations for the sun lotion. And that was just before I quit my job. And uh, when I quit my job for personal reasons, I, I, I was at home and I continued drawing the same character. And that was the, fir- the first character um, that was my first children's books because before I wrote written um, the um, environmental books, I started a series which was called Toby the Penguin. Uh-huh. And um, this is the little penguin who looked a bit different on the sun cream lotion, which never made it into the market. But that was uh, the development I was working on. So he became my first character of my children's book, because when I stopped my job, I stayed at home and I started writing children's books because that's really what I wanted to do. <laughs> and um, and I didn't publish or I didn't do anything with that book until my daughter was born. So would you describe the process of creating a children's book? Does the artist create the images first and then you think about text? Because I studied communication design and I learned a bit about advertising, I think the way I write my, my books is more by having storylines. So I, I write book first in terms of little pictures I imagine the pictures first and then I put the text to it (laughs) and um, so so what inspires you to choose the subject matter for the book um for the Toby books or for the environmental books for any of the books how do you choose your subject what comes um so (laughs) Funnily enough, I felt that the whole, I have written, I think, 13 books by now, and I felt that each book was a journey of my life. It kind of, my life gave me the subject, and then I wrote the book, which is, um, so one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea was uh, really the visit to the aquarium. And then the next book, um, Diamonds, Hearts, and Sea Stars, which is here, which is completely different style to Toby, was... um, after I've written one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea, I felt I wanted to do more than just um, write one book 
I wanted to raise awareness. I wanted to um, make people, um, yeah, aware. And uh, so I had an art ex uh, exhibition um, in, in in the center of France. And um, I didn't just want to show artwork. I wanted to also raise awareness of plastic pollution. And there was an organization who supported me at that time, which was called uh, Blue Ocean Watch. And they gave me videos um, of their team members. Um, and most of their team members were um, underwater photographers and divers. And I spent a whole week uh, in the... Uh, at the art show and sometimes um and the and the videos were up on one wall talking about uh underwater photography talking about the 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 word underneath um and i was watching that quite a bit and um because sometimes we didn't have that many um visitors and two of the, of the team members were protecting sharks and they were talking about the mis uh, mis um conception of sharks and how we how we view them in a different light and I was really um, listening to them and after that I felt inspired to create a um, an illustration that that loves sharks which is this it's a little heart it's made out of different sharks right and so that was a heart shape out of sharks and then I did another illustration which was a ray um, which was a ray and so I kind of um, had, there were these shapes. So there was the heart, there was a diamond shape. And then as I've written concept books, like ABC, one, two, three, the shapes was just the next thing for me to do. And because it kind of, again, came natural in, in, in the thought process of, of uh, I, I saw the shapes and then, um, and then I decided to write about um, creatures that um that need protection so that need protection because they're endangered because we don't treat them the way they should be treated and um so that's really how diamond diamonds hearts and sea stars came came about and it's a collection out of nine poems so it's nine different sea creatures i'm focusing on and each of them i talk about why they need to be protected what the problems are and how how we can make a difference i i appreciate the pure personal look and it's very powerful and i know that you've written that when you first became an artist you felt lonely and out of place why was that i've worked in the in graphic design, cosmetic industry, I worked in packaging. I felt like I, I was more part of the problem than being on the good side in my previous life that all of a sudden I discovered this problem and I wanted to make a difference. And I felt um, I felt a bit embarrassed almost to um, then call myself an artist or an activist, uh, you know. So from... how did you move beyond that? How, did, how is it that you now feel more comfortable? I think it's uh, it was the um, people I met um, through my journey. So when I published One, Two, Three, Who's Cleaning the Sea, I didn't really know what to do. I felt this passion about protecting our planet, but I didn't really know what to do next because, um, as I said before, I've done different things. So I started contacting people who have been already been on the journey for a long time. And I um, I think it was mainly through instagram that i tried to look uh, for like-minded people and then i um it was mainly beach cleaners who were really open and positive um to be supportive and i had a I had two conversations with two beach cleaners 
Uh, one is Anna Moisbacher, who's from Beach Cleaner, and one is Pat Smith, who's ActionN, and they were both really, really supportive. Anna said something really important to me. She said, forget what was before. The moment you realize is the moment you change and you protect our planet and don't feel bad about, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't bad in terms of uh, I was polluting the planet, but I felt personally bad because I uh, wasn't an arc activist or I hadn't really spoken out for our planet before. I think it was more that level. And then I think what really changed me was when um, I got invited by a local school. Um, it was a British school of Paris near where I live and asked me if I wanted to come and um, do a speech about uh, plastic pollution. And it was the first time I've done that. And they sent me uh, into a big room with 400 kids. And it was the first time I've, uh, I've, I've done a presentation like this. And the kids were just absolutely captivated. They wanted to learn more. They had lots of questions. They wanted to know uh, what kind of difference they can make. And, um, and to the end, so many kids came towards me and said that they loved it and that they want to help and and that they want to hear more speeches like that and it was just a there was such, such a confirmation of um that this is the right way to to continue so well nina you've really embraced the idea of or the taken to heart the term artivist and you're involved in so many inspiring projects can you tell me a little bit more about the artivist chat that you started on clubhouse and it probably would be helpful for listeners who don't know what Clubhouse is for you to begin by explaining what Clubhouse is and how they can access it. Yeah, so Clubhouse is an audio drop in uh, social media. Um, and I think it started because uh, lots of people were at home during the confinement and they felt lonely. And it was the first time you could actually join groups and listen in and contribute and uh, it's something that all the other social media apps um, didn't have yet because uh, on Instagram, you post an image, you can be whoever you want through the image. But on Clubhouse, it's more about what you say and who you are personally. And I think that's a much more personal way of connecting to people. And I think um, a lot of people were, were joining Clubhouse and finding it really reassuring to connect with like-minded um, ocean warriors, I would say. And um, so people started creating clubs and they started um, hosting rooms every week. And um, I just really wanted to connect to other people um, because I haven't really started this artivism journey as a career. It was... Uh, it was a passion. It was a passion to protect our planet. And I always feel, I wouldn't say lost, but I feel connecting with people who have the same passion and who have the same um, struggles when it comes to hearing too many environmental issues and how to deal with this is really uh, a way of, um, you know, the connection and to, to support each other is, is really what, what keeps me going as well. And so um, there was one club, which was the Scuba Club, which is um, created by Norbert Z. And he um, asked me if I wanted to host a regular artist room. And I said, 
why not? But it would be an artivism room because I really want to know how, because artivists are mainly artivists because something happened in their life, something turned around where they decided to switch their art to protect the planet. And I'm really interested in what this journey was and what the moment was that changed their lives. And we, it's probably the same for you by creating this podcast. And um, we've been hosting five, uh, five uh, rooms so far. And it's been really magical because we always feel at the end of the, it's mainly lasts for two hours. And I would say that we always feel very connected. So we share our artwork afterwards. We talk to each other. And often that's not the case with artists. They often feel like, uh, you know, people could copy from them or they want to do their own journey. And I think with the artivists, there's a, a big community out there because the planet is more important than the personal journey of uh, or the success or at least that's how I feel about it and um, yeah that's really it was again a bit natural how it came together and it's been um, it's been a great journey and I have um, also two co-moderators uh, so Norbert supports um, the room and also uh, Janavi um, co-moderates with me um, she's another artist who creates images of the ocean which are very beautiful. And um, yeah, it's really, it's teamwork and it's nice to connect to people. And in one of the rooms, we had um, the grandson of Dr. Sylvia Earle, which was complete coincidence. And uh, because I found him on, um, on Clubhouse in one of the rooms and I looked at his Instagram profile and it was uh, raising awareness of um, of plastic pollution through fishing nets and uh, so I contacted him uh, if he wanted to join our rooms and afterwards I found out that he was the grandson of Dr. Seville which was uh, which was really yeah amazing. Very amazing. So another project that you're involved in is the Marine Diaries and I would like to know more about that and why it was important for you to get involved in that project. Um, so the Marine Diaries is again um, a, an organi- a non-profit organization which was super supportive. So I, uh, when I first started with my book One Two Three, Who's Cleaning the Sea, I contacted them, and they didn't really say um, who are you, how many followers do you have. They were just uh, completely open to my work, and they said, "Do you want to do a Instagram takeover?" which is, um, so basically you go into their account uh, for a day and post through their account. And that was the first time I made the experience of the ocean community. And it was such a, not having been in that ocean community, that was like the first kind of experience where I absolutely loved it. And so the Marine Diaries and um, me have been friends since the beginning of my of my journey. And uh, do you ever feel you have too many competing (laughs) demands? How do you manage your personal projects with all this collaborative? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit complicated sometimes, (laughs) but uh, I feel um, Especially to people who have been very helpful to me, I feel like there's no question of not doing it. So there's always, of course, I do it. And um, 
it is uh it has become a bit much at some point so i have to sometimes uh yeah stop a little bit but it's i think it's difficult when it's a passion that you really feel you want to make a difference you feel like um you have a lot of ideas and it's a bit complicated sometimes uh, but i can, so- i can hear your passion and to have a community to share that passion with uh, it's very inspiring, and apparently it gives you wings to be able to handle all the competing demands. Yeah. So <laughs> what advice can you offer listeners who want to help to protect the ocean? Uh, I actually get that question quite often, especially from people who I met on, on Clubhouse in a way. They, they, they contact me afterwards and say they feel like they want to do something and they want to to make a difference. And well, my answer is always quite quite simple. I just say, if you want to do it, do it. You know, if if that's what you feel like is your passion, go for your passion. And um, I mean, then I think sometimes I can't give too much advice because I'm I I am focusing on the ocean, while other people might be more comfortable focusing on the SDGs or you know to to do something else but for me it's 100% the ocean that's where my love is that's where my passion is but I feel that um, it was helpful for me to not give up my job um, because this is 100% not how I can uh, live from I don't know how to say it but it's it's not what supports my my living so the way I make my money is by graphic design jobs and then this is what I do because I feel like it's what I I need to do but it's not where I could live from so I think everyone who wants to do that should should start doing it as 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 a hobby uh, next to to what they're already doing, because I think it's complicated because lots of uh, organizations were asked to volunteer. They were asked, um, you know, it's it's difficult to switch from one job and go into environmental work as a, as a full-time job. Uh, so Nina, I am grateful that you made time to be on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I find your work as an artist truly inspiring. Bravo et merci beaucoup. I'd like to remind our listeners that I have been speaking with Nina Rossiter for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and now on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the song Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. Thank you for listening.